Yo, it's myself, George the Poet, um, and I'd like to do a special intro for this next guest on the Over the Bridge podcast. Ten years ago, I had just started Cambridge University and a friend of mine was running the ACS, the African Caribbean Society over there. This friend knew me as a rapper for five years um, and asked me to perform at the ACS's first event of that year entitled Culture Fest 2010. I said no because I didn't want to be seen as a rapper given that I was the only black man on my campus in that year um, at King's College, Cambridge. This guy pestered me for two to three weeks and eventually I gave in saying I would rap on, at his event on the condition that I would speak my lyrics as opposed to perform them like a high tempo grime MC. That became poetry, became my career, and this is the man responsible. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome for Mr. Khalil Rouse. Jeez! Jeez. Yo, I, I feel that, like I feel like that's um, history. Listen, it deserves that's history, a round of applause. That yeah, yeah that Khalil, George, you come with a Michael Million intro. Like, come on, hey, bro. Khalil, are you <laughs> man's like the Quincy Jones of the the UK UK industry. Man's just bringing people in. That's funny. Yeah, strange how strange how history works out, man. Very strange how history works out. Mad. Very small, uh, one little small kind of intervention that can just. Catapult. Mad, mad. Um, one more plug. There's a book that I read last year. It's called um, "Why Nations Fail." In that, it's all about the institutional path that different countries take. In that book, um, they introduce the concept of critical junctures, and they say that they're just one-off events in history that can decide the, you know, institutional fate of an entire country. Um, and I feel like that was a critical juncture when Khalil invited me to perform a culture fest. Obviously, this is not my episode. I'm about to bow out and let you lot carry on. But yeah, I hope this conversation is a critical juncture in a positive way for you all. Thanks, man. Very much, man. Thank you, George, man. Hey, blessings. Love. Blessings. Love, man. Take care, brother. Have a good rest of your day. But welcome, welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. I am not going to try and follow that intro there. That was beautiful, man. <laughs> that was so, beautiful. So beautiful, um, man. Heartwarming, and man. we're delighted, Khalil, to have you back, my guy, once again, someone who's been here before. So thank you for coming back on. Yeah, no worries. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I was waiting for my, my second attempt, my second bite of the cherry. So I couldn't resist. Jumped to the opportunity. So thank you, gents, for having me back on. Much appreciated. Yeah, man. That's all blessed. Um, so Khalil, I think since you were last here, there's been some <laughs> lovely and major changes in your life. <laughs> some monumental changes, yeah. Which Oh, so I was going to speak on it. The monumental change is I'm now a father, which still to this day seems very, very strange to say. A round of applause for that. Yeah, yeah come, on, come, come on, come on. Hey. Come on. Come father Rouse. Father, you get me? Father <laughs> Rouse. Are you going with father or like, is that what he's calling I don't know. I feel like, well, saying I'm now father. Yeah, because dad and mom, no, we both, we know that's synonyms, but father, I like saying I'm now father. Yeah. Yeah, man. It sounds, it's, it's it sounds wholesome. Sounds legit, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, sounds official. Father now. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Father yeah. to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it takes, and it may sound silly, but it does, it takes a lot to be a father. You can always be a dad. And I think maybe it's just my own, my own um, opinions on the words and the connotations, but. I think fatherhood, as opposed to being a dad, mm. uh, a, a one's one's a step up, and mm-hmm. there's a lot more. You need to do more as a male role model to be a father than to just be just be a dad. No disrespect to someone who just considers himself a dad, but for me, I want to be a father. I want to be looked at as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's my son. My son, his name is Kingsley. Um, strong name, strong name. <laughs> his middle name. He's got the same middle name as my dad. Um, and then obviously surname Rouse, so Kingsley Antonio Rouse is his name. I love that. Mad, I love that. Man. Same initials as you as well. Yeah. So it means a post is going to be a mad thing when he grows up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went through that with my dad as well, man. It's long. You can just read his bank statements and be like, "Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got the same, same initials as me, and then when. My my partner and I get married. She will have the same initials as us as well because her middle. Oh yeah, Yo, that's mad, you know. Her middle name is an A, and we'll all be the we'll be the Rouses. So it's a it's a collective <laughs> car cubed. 
Yeah, Love that. Congratulations, man. Yeah, man. Like, just Leon, a second there. I was gonna ask so that that what was I don't know, like when you found out that you were gonna be a father, like what what were the kind of reactions that just went through your head? Like just you know, where were you if you want to tell the story, like where were you? How did you find out? What yeah, just how how what went down? I'm just yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna go too far back, so I'm sure you might know what went down. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, so my, my missus won't mind me saying so. We so um, she was late for a considerable period of time, and then I, me just being, I'm pretty pragmatic. I was just, I kind of just accepted it back in my mind, being like, we're late, part, we're certain weeks late. I, I think, I think we're pregnant essentially, and she was in denial, and then was just more like, nope, nope, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I was like. Babe, I genuinely just, I just think, I think, I think we're pregnant. And then it was on our anniversary. So the 28th of August, our anniversary, we went to dinner. Um, and on the way, we were literally, I remember, I can't remember who raised it, but I, one of us, it probably was me, just being like, let's just get a test and let's find out now. And we were sat down in a, in a fancy restaurant in Piccadilly. And one of those, I don't know what it's even called, but it's one of those where the, like the Japanese style where they, cook food in front of you, do all the flip mm-hmm. fancy tricks. Nice, it was nice. like Benny Hanna, maybe one of those. Benny Hanna, I think he was. Um, and then we bought the test en route. So we just went via one of the, either a Tesco Express or something. And then before, I think either before our starters came or just, our, yeah, I think before our starters came, we both just went to the, the kind of disabled toilet where a bit more space. Um, she did what she had to do. We waited for a bit, looked at the <laughs> looked at this thing, and it said pregnant. <laughs> And I was, me personally, I was like, told, like, told you. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, not in like a, not in like a smug way, but just, I was just, yeah, I, I thought we were. Mm. So on the other hand was obviously, as you can imagine, overcome um, with emotion. And you man obviously know me. I'm not always the most emotional. So she You're was, not. Swear down. Oh, do you know, well, you know, you think I am Patrick? I'm being sarcastic, brother. Ah, I, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Did you know when you don't have your camera on, Patrick? It means I can't see Yeah, that's, that is true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, she was overcome with emotion. Mm. Me, I, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was emotional. Not in like a, I wasn't lacking emotion. I wasn't absent. But at the same time, I wasn't overcome because I had accepted it and I was happy about it. Um, so, yeah, it was just, and then we just went back out and we just ate our food. And she was obviously stunned for the rest of the evening saying on my word I was just like this is we've got this because that was my I'm a very we've got this kind of person mm, mm. Um, I'm a very we've now we're now in a situation we've we always knew this was something that could happen and we're always prepared for it and now it's happened let's do this we've got this she on the other oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying we are good so that's that's how we found out so it was on our anniversary um and it was a beautiful wasn't. day to find out. Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm actually quite interested to hear the, the alternative retelling of this. I just want to see what, <laughs> how Kizzy how puts it. Because I, I, part of me just wishes that you were the one that was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, Khalil, calm down. It's calm. We got this. We got this. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely wasn't. I was definitely the more, the more stoic of the two. Cool, cool, man. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, and and little man is how old now? Four months? No, fam, he's nearly nearly six months now. Shut he's up! Six. Swear down. It's crazy. Six months on the twenty first of this month. Where has the time gone? Flown. Time is flying. Uh, even me, because I've got I've got very poor memory for my life, and it sounds strange to say, but I don't remember times very easily. And I had to I had to look at pictures and images, and I'm like, mm. oh, I remember that time. So for me, it's like I can't remember what it was even like. When he was first born, well, I remember, but I don't remember what he was like when he was one month, two months, three months. Now mm. he's just a fully fledged human being, essentially. Mm. The personality and stubbornness and all these, all these character traits that you're starting to see develop. And not stubbornness in a bad way, but just he has his opinion, he knows what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> so you're seeing all that now. Yeah. And, he's, and he's got a proper personality. So time has flown, and I just have to. Um, Kanique is all, she's much more on, she scrolls back through pictures all the time. I need to start doing it more just to try and remember all the time mm. before. Because he won't remember them, of course. We need to. Mm. Yeah. Have you guys 
Have you guys got like a baby's first book? Have you got one of them? Guess whose idea that was? Was it yours? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought we were talking about how much has changed, bro. It is, man. <laughs> yeah, it's all the, all the night. Like, I'm blessed to have um, a partner who's just grown into the, like, immediately grew into the role of being an amazing mum. And she's all the kind of baby's first books and designing of the nurseries and um, all the little, all the, all the beautiful things that are going to create really, really amazing memories, visually especially, as well as emotionally. She's mm. just taking it on. Mm. Especially because I'm always, because lockdowns, obviously I was there, but now because I'm at work, I'm not around that much and it's, it's a shame and it's painful. Mm. But she's just, she's just handling everything. Mm. And so, yeah, all the baby's first book, but bro, if, if and when the time happens, when you see these books, these books are extensive. Yeah, yeah. Extensive. Did she did, did she design them? Did she put them together, or is it like? No, you can just buy them nowadays. Yeah, know? yeah. It's a book. Yeah. It's a more of like a. On this day, I did this, and this was yeah. this, and I weighed this day. I weighed this amount on this day, and and it's it's a proper proper biography. Yeah, man. I remember I found mine like a few years ago, and it was probably one of the nicest things I've ever seen. Like it was just like raw. Like this is because. Obviously, you don't you don't remember any of that stuff when you're a kid, but it's just like it's fascinating to see. Like at one stage, you was just this little person, like in many ways helpless as well. Like, mm. and it's just interesting to see. Like, I don't know, like stuff that maybe gives an indication into like how you're gonna grow up, how you're gonna turn out. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, um, yeah, man, make sure you document everything. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, she does. She's she's very sentimental. So mm. Every little stage, and it's gonna be. I'm me at the time, like, yeah, I get it, but I'm, I think I will appreciate it more mm. when he gets old and look back. Um, mm. Yeah. Are so, you gonna do the baby Instagram thing? Um, me personally, I don't. I'm not for it personally. No. Because uh, he can't. He can't give his permission. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So as you know, we were quite cautious about putting him all on, especially because obviously, yeah. She's got her own platform where yeah. her own her own bag of followers essentially. So she's always I don't think she's put his face on his face, mm. his full face on her Instagram unless it's on the close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're both yeah. I think it's just I've seen and it's just you don't want your baby to be a meme, is number one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you laugh, but it's so true, yeah. Like as soon as it's out there, you have no control over what someone then does. It's not every baby that's going to turn up to be a Gavin, do you know what I mean? Like, everyone's been very respectful over baby Gavin, but like, you know, <laughs> you know baby Gavin, right? Yeah, he's, he's our kid, isn't he? He's, he's, yeah, he's, the, internet, child he's the internet's yeah. kid. But, wait, Tom, I thought you're not on social media, bro. How do you know that? <laughs> Gavin's been on social media for such a long time. He was I'm just there like, when I was there, man. I just, I just stop it. You I stop it. <laughs> but no, you know what? My mum my used to say the same thing. She had, she was used to say, listen, yeah, like, I don't. She was always like, "If you ever have um, like kids, don't don't show them on social media. Like, just like you know, when some people just show share pictures of when the baby's born, she's like don't even share that. I don't know why. I think she's quite not um, superstitious, but for her, it's more like a superstitious thing. You just don't want people knowing what your child looks like. You don't know what anyone can do with that, bro. Mm. Like, you know, so so I I hear that, but yeah, yeah man. Let's let's jump back a bit because you know we're talking about your son who's very much here right now. And then you said you know in a moment when you find out you weren't shocked. You were almost like, "Sack told you so." I knew this was coming. But then like this move to I want to be seen as a father, um, which you mentioned was that something that you had seen yourself as prior? It's ooh, I think my doing what I do in terms of my profession, I've already taken on. A lot of just remind people what you do. Oh, I do have to remind. I'm a teacher, so I've been teaching for ten years. I'm now a head of year. I'm also safeguarding lead of a of, of a school, and it's kind of it's, it's my school's in its second year. Um, so you've only got year sevens and year eights. So it's my role. I take on a very father figure role for now. About what 360 kids, potentially not all of them, but I've got more of a strong bond with some. That's just natural. But especially my now role of safeguarding. Um, I'm the go-to for kids who have got any kind of well-being, welfare issues outside of school, anything more serious all comes to me. So I've already had a lot of responsibility. And even when I was teaching before, back in Manchester and everything else, I've always, I've always wanted to impart words of wisdom to young people. 
um, now it just matters. It really, really matters <laughs> what the words of wisdom I say because my son is my own as opposed to other people's kids. So I think I've always seen myself as being a role model. Um, I've always seen myself as being, uh, especially for young black boys in the schools I've been teaching, um, someone they can look up to and get and trust that they've always got their best interests at heart. So that was one thing. Then obviously when, you're, when my own son arrives, it's, a diff- it's just a different ball game, but the same sentiments um, are there. So I think I've always been a father figure in my role as a teacher. Um, now it's just, there's a lot more riding on it. <laughs> there's a lot more riding on it. So, and after finding out, it was just more, everything just got normalized really quickly. And the transition I felt was really, really natural. And I think the main reason for that is myself and Kanik had a very, we were a unit beforehand. Mm. And I, I can't even, I wouldn't even want to think about the situation. I know it happens to a lot of people, but for me personally, I always wanted to have a, my, my children with someone that I, had. I was in a, in a really, really strong um, unified relationship because as I'll speak about probably later on, it's a challenge and it's a test. It's a test of so many parts of your own, your fortitude as, as an individual and also the fortitude of yourself and your partner as a unit because you're going to get tested. You're both going to be tired. Um, you're both going to be ratty. You're both going to want the same thing, but sometimes not how to express it properly. And it's going to, and it's, you'll know when you're raising a child with someone, whether if you can get, I think if you can get through raising a child and still have all the love and all the, um, all the connection and emotion and passion and everything else still intact, obviously slightly less frequent, <laughs> but if all that's still intact, then you know you're onto a winner. So I think it's been a natural transition and I can't, and when she listens back to this, she'll, she'll, re- I don't praise her enough. Let me just say, I don't praise her enough. Mm. If it weren't for her, this would be a far, far more difficult journey if it weren't for how strong we are. And she's, she's one of the men. She is the reason that we're this strong. She's, she's doing a great job at the moment. So yeah, I'm a father and I feel like one, but that's, most of that is down to her. Yeah. And she's an amazing woman as well, man, just for the record, for all of our listeners. But, um, I think it's interesting hearing you speak because I've often heard people say, ah, that person just ain't ready to be a dad or they're not ready to have a kid. But then what you said was, it wasn't like you had specifically planned to have this child at the time that you did, but there was a transition where you were like, okay, cool. I'm now in the mindset where it actually just feels normal. Yeah. Do you think that people can ever not be ready? Or Definitely. I think it takes a, it takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of emotional maturity. It takes, and if, I think when I was saying, if I were ever, I think you'll never be, I think you'll never be emotionally ready until it happens. Mm. You could be, because you never know, you know everyone, everyone's child is different. You never, how to deal with a crying child at two in the morning, for example, there's no practice for that. Mm. You, can't, you can't put it into practice months in advance to try and train yourself for a baby that's nonstop crying at something silly in the morning. Um, you can definitely be financially, re- you can be more financially ready just in terms of all the expenses that crop up, being able to handle them without, without the opportunity cost being vast, for example. I think you can definitely be financially ready in that sense. Um, you can earn enough to therefore be able to buy the, buy the cop, buy the buggy, buy this without thinking, oh, this month is going to be tight now. Mm. You can definitely be ready in that sense. But as soon as the baby's here, and because it's so challenging, you've got to be, I think if your relationship's not ready for it, you will know very soon. Mm. Because when things get really tricky, you need, to, you need to be committed to both mother and child. Because, and it sounds harsh to say it is very, it's like practically, it's very easy for a dad to just go, oh, I'm off kind of thing. Because um, in the early stage, especially, technically the baby doesn't need their father. And I think, and although that sounds, maybe you, I know you guys understand what I mean, but obviously in terms of nutrition and everything else, you're not needed. You need to make yourself needed and you need to, you need to involve yourself. Mm. And I think it's very easy because the dad, because the dad isn't needed biologically speaking, it is very easy for fathers that aren't connected that strongly, especially to the mum. I think that's the main thing for me. I think you can always be connected to your child. But if you're not connected to the mum and you don't want to support, and you actually don't want to support her, you don't feel... Um, invested in supporting her in the journey then that's i think that's why people get found out yeah and then you realize whether you're not ready or not or whether your relationship isn't ready or not 
Um, so yeah, I think you can, I think as a unit, as a relationship, you can not be ready, but you won't know until the baby arrives. You're like, cool, wow, yeah, this is, this is serious. <laughs> no, I can't have it. <laughs> it's um, not like you can get a refund on the child, right? No, you're always there. And, it's, it's, and that's the amazing thing about it, but it's also, I can never, I can see both sides, and it's going to sound weird to say, I can see how men who are younger or aren't stable financially or maybe aren't connected emotionally to the mum, I can see how they would chip. I can mm-hmm. see it um, because it's, it's tough. But I also, now he's here, I can't imagine him ever not being with him because he, he, I know even though he doesn't need me for a new ball, I feed him now obviously through different means. But I can't even imagine not being around. Hmm. Um, the thought of it just doesn't even, I can't even compute it. It doesn't make any sense. So I can see both sides. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a long-winded answer. <laughs> to oh. question. Uh, I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, dads in particular, but black men who are dads in particular get a lot of stick for not sticking around or not being there or not being present or just not being good dads whatever that means we could talk about that in a second but you know you mentioned seeing yourself as a role model does does all of that context play into your ability to form that relationship or see yourself as a father with your own son like the context of people like giving a lot of stick towards dads or black dads um do you know what i've never i've never let the stereotypes phase me and then I've never, the reason I want to stick around isn't to disprove a stereotype. You know what I mean? It's no. because my own upbringing, every fam, pretty much all family, extended family I'm around, both parents are present. Pretty much like, and it's both sides. My, oh wait, let me, let me actually, let me rewind this because that is not true. <laughs> Just thought, as I've said it, I've thought in my head. So on my, on my mum's side, it's the case where pretty much every family nearly has both parents fully present and parents are actually married and together. My dad's side is a little bit different, um, but at the same time, um, the dads though, like my uncle, for example, he's an ever present, he's just not with the mum, mm. but he's still an ever present. So the people that I'm blood related to, the men I'm blood related to, are present and active fathers. A couple of them aren't actually with the mums, but they're still doing their job and they're still upholding their responsibilities. So I think I've seen that those are my role models. Those are my role models. And I'm just trying to live out to the same kind of experiences I had with my own dad and my own father, I should say. Let me, give him, let me put some respect on his name. My own father, because I now see what he went through, what my mum went through to raise me, who I only can imagine is probably worse than Kingsley at the moment in terms of being a busybody. So those are my role models. I'm just trying to emulate what they've done. Um, and I don't want to let them down. So yeah, I don't really care for the stereotypes. I just don't want to let my male father figures, my uncles, my older, technically my cousins, but they call obviously the uncles and the godfathers. I don't let them down because they've done all this work to make a man, make me the man I am. I'm now not going to um, do some nonsense and let, and let the team down. That's not going to happen. But yeah, I don't pay, genuinely, I don't pay mind to stereotypes. Um, we've, us, us five here, have defied countless stereotypes um, yeah. every kind of aspect of our life and we always have I've just, it's just been one of the things we just do um, so yeah I see myself as being the next line in the kind of Rouse lineage that needs to be an upstanding member of the team and so that's my duty and that's my role I'm going to do my absolute best that's so interesting you, I'm so, I, actually now we're talking about like the role of our own dads in our lives or mm. fathers in general just be curious to hear what the rest of you lot think Mm. My dad's um, trash. <laughs> Shut off the back. Um, so I'm chewing gum. I should take. I, I'm. I've made a sort of conscious decision not to really talk to my dad anymore. To be honest, um, mum and dad split up when I was quite young, and he was around for a long time. But then eventually, he just didn't really wasn't around. And one thing I would say as well is often like the media stereotype of oh, it's black dads that abandon their kids. Nah, not in my case. My dad's white, bruv. So um, I, I won't have anyone talking about the stereotype of absentee black fathers, bruv, because, you know, I'm pretty sure that all your fathers have been around in your lives more than my dad has been in mine. Um, and I remember when I graduated or when I was graduating, I asked my dad to come to my graduation 
Man said he was working. I said, raw. Like, what, you're working? You can't come to my graduation. I said, all right, cool. Um, he came to the Masters one, thankfully, so there's some redemption there. But even before I left and came here to, to Switzerland, I said, oh, do you want to meet up? He said, no, nah, I'm worried about COVID. I said, what, can we not meet up at a social distance? And now nah, I'm worried about COVID. I said, you know what, yeah, I've tried so many times. And I said, you know what, I can't be bothered anymore, to be honest. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was upset when I was younger. Like the kind of Will Smith, what am I dead? Love me, man. But eventually you kind of get past it and you're like, you know what? It is what it is. People live their life. They make their own choices and that's it. But with that in mind, it has that kind of experience has put a bit of taste in my mouth about kind of partnerships, marriage, not necessarily children, but it's definitely put a bit of a, yeah, definitely mm. sort of shied away from that because of that. And I realized that is probably where it, it comes from. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's it in a nutshell. Do you know what I mean? So there's mm. nothing really more to say. That's that's it, man. Yeah, I think in, in my experience, I have a really, I'd say I have a really good relationship with my dad now, um, but it's changed quite a lot. There's been ups and downs naturally. I think part of it probably in relation to um, just just the kind of normal teenage. I don't know, kind of you know they say how there's there's a stage of rebellion right particularly as a boy um it's, it's usually relative to your your father i don't know if there's some evolutionary biology reason for that or whatever the case is but it's like uh, it's like that age when you you, you get to and you think right if it, it came to it i could actually bang in your face and you yeah, do yeah 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 it's one of, it's one of <laughs> those like, ones, I, but i feel like every guy yeah, has yeah, thought yeah. that though yeah no, yeah 100 yeah, mum. yeah, yeah, I, remember, yeah I remember being angry as a teenager and literally standing there with those exact words in my hand yeah mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. the funny thing is man, yeah? you you both realize it at the same time it's like that moment <laughs> yeah. where you just yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. eye contact and you know actually the tides have shifted there's an insecurity on on their part that comes with that i think yeah of course i did I didn't mean to, yeah, go on. No, it was, it was all good. It was all in relation as well. But I think one thing besides the that kind of natural rebellion is um, the relation between your parents as well. So mm. if you see your dad acting in a way to your mother, um, I think we just tend to obviously take the sides of our, our mums. We're, we're, we're quite protective of our mums, aren't we? So when you mm. see how they treat them, that causes, uh, especially if it's in a negative way, that creates tension that obviously bleeds into your relationship with them. Like you can't really divorce the two. They could mm. be an excellent father in some respects. Um, but then if they're not an excellent husband or partner to your, to their wives or partners, as I, like I said, um, that, that can create that tension. And I think um, in some instances, without kind of giving too much, um, that was the case in, in relationship with my dad. And um and another thing I think is how emotionally present they are because, you know, very present, of course, you have to, as, as, a, as a parent, just, you know, particularly from immigrant background, just a lot of, of work. And um, that means that a lot of times we're kind of coming back from school by ourselves, coming home, parents aren't there, kind of having to um, be quite mature and take care of ourselves in, in a lot of ways. Um, but my dad was very, very present and enforced the idea of education towards us. And probably to the extent where there was less focus on other aspects of our lives. So kind of like extracurricular stuff, not being present, Mm. you know, not even really going to, um, you know, if you have a football game or that kind of thing, not really showing much interest. And I think that does have a, a, a lasting imprint and it's only retrospectively becoming a, a man myself that um, you can kind of understand why that is. And even when it comes to like the dynamic of the relationship with my mum and stuff, you can kind of understand why that it transpired the way that it did. So once I got to that stage, that really helped repair some of the, the negative feelings that I had towards him. And now we're in, in a relatively good place. And I think it's all like, with him so him and my mum have now relocated to Ghana they've done so for about it's been about three years now and that lack of physical presence as well makes you appreciate that a lot more Mm. um and and needing to receive certain lessons as well 
that that again bridges that that gap as well so um yeah that's 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 pretty much where you know i'm at with my with my kind of father-son relationship mm-hmm. yeah it's um i guess it's my turn to sort of weigh in um <clears throat> so like yeah i think my childhood was was very good like it was sort of my my dad was sort of exemplary growing up um never had to want for anything kind of thing like yeah and um my parents were married for wait how long 36 years um and yeah both me and my sister growing up especially like when we were younger as well like you know our our childhoods were you know were very good my dad was always there very supportive like really on top of our education as well um but I feel like as we got older um my dad sort of began to kind of like tap out a little bit as he could see that we were becoming more independent I suppose um and I guess just sort of other things going on in his, his own personal life um uh which sort of reached a point where so my parents separated um about a year and a half ago now maybe two years um they go through sort of the process I guess at the moment but um yeah, um, they're not together anymore. But I, at the very least, like I'm glad that this, because this this was difficult for me. Um, I feel I feel like this is the first time I've actually spoken about this like anywhere publicly. Um, but yeah, it was very difficult for me to come to terms with um, as an adult. And I'm glad that it, you know it happened when I was an adult. If it was going to happen at all, I'm glad that it happened now rather than when I was a kid. Because um, yeah, like as I said. Um, Growing up, like my childhood was was good. It was it was nice. I have a lot of like fond fond memories, um, but I feel like the the way that my relationship with my dad is now is sort of similar to Tom's, I suppose, um, and it's made me very um, I guess just very in some ways a bit anxious because it's like okay, someone can be a good father and a you know, a good husband for however long and then like somewhere down the line something just happens and, you know, that is no longer the case or mm. they, they they take a different direction. And it's like, what can one do to like ensure that that happens? And I guess like, it's like, that's, it's not an exact science. It's not something that you can have a simple answer to, but it's something that's in, I guess, in the back of my mind that if I'm going to like embark on the journey of fatherhood, that like I treat it as, a marriage, do you know what I mean? I treat it as, like, well, I guess marriage is probably a bad example because people get divorced every day. But like, do you know what? Like, death till death do us part. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even when my hypothetical future kids are adults that I'm not gonna stop seeing them as you know my my kids. Not in a kind of controlling sense or like you're just a child to so shut up kind of thing. But like, they're always going to have my heart and um, have my time and have my care. And also um, whoever my hypothetical wife is in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like it can't be. She's listening. Maybe like now's the time to slide into those DMs. Yeah. I'm trying to make a serious <laughs> point. <Bilal>, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like for me, fatherhood and a marriage Maybe not so much marriage because, like, I know people, the way people feel about, about each other can change and whatever else. But I think at the very least, like, the, the, the love and respect that you have for someone, if the love fades, at least the respect and the, and the due diligence and the care um, is always there. And that 100% for kids as well, for my kids. Like, um, but life is it's, it's difficult. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't know what's going to happen. This year has shown us that more than any time in our lives, I suppose. Like, any anything can happen but yeah I think sort of substance integrity and and just kind of just honor I think to your loved ones is is so key it's so important but yeah yeah I think everything you have said has just made me think about just the responsibility of being a dad right like how much comes with it um how much it affects you as even as a grown man as an adult sort of the imprint it leaves on you in your life and how you then get to navigate the world and we've got like Khalil right here who's just embarking on that right which is a which is a big responsibility and I don't think we I think I think a lot of the time you know the the conversation around dads gets focused on how bad a dad is or 
dads aren't there. You know, I'm not talking about the conversation we're having. I'm talking about in, in the wider world, what we hear about, about dads, you know, mm. but actually what's missed is all of this stuff that we're talking about. Sort of what it, what the lasting impressions are, what it makes us think. I think to some degree, how it even affects you as a man in how you decide to father or how you want to be seen off as a father as well, because you re- the only way that you can relate to that is well, your own dad or the, me- the men that were around you when you grow up. Right. And that stuff does matter. And even if it's the men that weren't around you, it's the fact that you use that as then the blueprint to go, well, I don't want to be like that. So in relation to what you see and what you don't see, it affects your own ability to therefore do the job and do the task when it's at hand, man. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this script real quick because uh, there's, there's an elephant in the room as far as I'm concerned, Bill, because you are also... <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, do you know what? If any other podcast, I'll try and keep us on the rest. So when, when I've seen it all over Instagram... <laughs> uh, oh, that's why Bill has been fiercely writing notes every time Khalil speaks. That's what makes sense, man. I see, I see, okay. Oh, man, yeah, for anyone... That, yeah. No, what was the question? No, like, no, the question is just a general one. Like, it, with all this conversation, obviously, me and you've been speaking on and off for the last and how many months, especially about all this kind of stuff, we, we speak all the time. But how are you, first of all? Um, because I think you and I are fairly similar in terms of um, our emotional makeup mm. is, is fairly similar, or it was. I've changed. I've grown. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a draw out and a half. Did he say a man's, man's changed? I've grown. Grown. The thing is, do you know what? Do you know what? Before I, I, I will say, I was talking, I think I am, um, I'm going to act like I've got like a big Twitter following. I don't, but I was going to say, ah, I tweeted about this. Don't you have like 21 followers, bro? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how Bilal's sending back kid. That was weak. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, the way this day is now, where people are trying to drag people, and not having a, a number on a screen, we're cool, we're fine, it's all right. Um, <laughs> Jesus only had 12 followers, by the way, so yeah, there we go. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Oh, you left me lose my train of thought now. Uh, you tweeted out? Yeah, I tweeted out, thank you, Patrick. I was tweeting out how I've softened mm. um, massively, 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 massively. It, and it happened overnight, essentially. I just started feeling the responsibility of every decision and everything else and the conversations I have with young people now I feel myself being even more emotionally invested in those conversations, mm. especially when they're about just making good choices or teaching them how the world works. I had a boy, I had a year, a year eight boy talking to me about the N-word, for example. And then I was having, the, the, then I saw it as a, a practice run of a conversation I may need to have with Kingsley when he gets older. Um, about, and I'm not going to go into these about what the conversation was, but I just felt more emotionally invested in everything now, especially when I'm dealing with young people and I'm giving them advice and I'm trying to have a more mentoring role and teaching the do's and the don'ts, especially with the black kids, but all kids really. So, yes, yeah, so I was just saying how I've, that's what I mean by, that's what I mean by, I said I've grown because I wasn't like this before. Um, I was very, I could easily be very emotionally disconnected from interactions with young people. I could just tell them things without feeling it myself. So my question is, first of all, how are you feeling? Um, yes, how are you feeling? How are you? It's going to be, it's getting real. So I'm just wondering how you are, man. Nah, thank you, man. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, because I don't talk about my life that much on this podcast, I'm going to be a dad. So I'm having a child, which is due in February, which is exciting times, man. And just like Khalil, just on air, the amount of support and help that not just you, but you and your partner have given me in this time, I like really, really appreciate it because I don't know too many people in a similar life stage um, that are a similar age as well. Like I don't really have that support around me. Um, I'd say like other than, you know, the man them on this podcast, there aren't really any other guys that I speak to that regularly and of all of those guys other than you, like no one really is doing that in their life. So it's been a huge support. Um, I found out a few months ago and it was amazing. Similar, real similar story to you that it was me that wasn't shocked. I was like, <laughs> I knew it. I told you so. And she's sitting there crying and upset and, and not upset, crying like emotionally happy. And I was there just like, yeah, but I knew this was happening. Right. And it was, um, and then I, we went around down the pub and I got a pint. But then, then she stopped drinking. And then after that, we, we've just been sort of getting our head around the whole thing. And it's super exciting. You know, the family know and everyone's on board and everyone's excited about it. And I think for me, I'm in the process of having to remind myself every day 
that the me that I've existed as up till this point is no longer, that is not it. Like there is like another life that I'm responsible for. And it is, it's changed the way that I see the world. It's changed the way that previously I was doing things, not selfishly, but without much thought. So for example, my job has up, up till this year been flying around the world all the time. And I know for a fact that I cannot go back to doing that job, even when COVID finishes and I, there are restrictions on flying as a dad to a newborn, there's no way I'm going to be wanting to leave my child and flying around like that. Right. So just being present more, which has helped me sort of reframe everything that I want to do or would have done, you know, like Tom's always saying, let's go Afro nation, bruv. And I would love to go Afro nation again, but even what am I going to do? Like have a baby strapped to my happen, chest. Man. It's, it's done now. It's changed, man. Yeah. It's changed. It's just, it's just changed things in a different way, which is a good thing. You know, like in my head, it's made me reevaluate uh, what's important to me and what isn't important. Like what are the things that are going to give me life? What are the things that aren't? But as someone who's worked with young people growing up, I think I've always had, that sense of responsibility for young people and seeing that as like my role to sort of be there and understand the emotional aspects of where a child might be coming from in their life. So, I, and I think my having my own child is making me want to go back to working with young people, interestingly, because I haven't been working that closely with young people for a while now. Um, and the knowing I'm going to have to be, be a dad has made me think I want to go back and work with young people so that it can almost be like you said, a test for all the conversations that I'll be having with my child, but with kids that aren't mine that I also feel responsible for. So it's made me think about getting back into the youth sector, um, which is a really cool thing. And I think, you know, to answer the question that I asked you lot before about like the relationships with your own dads, I think that's affected me in so many ways because my dad is one of the strongest people I know in that growing up he was so sick he was in hospital so much um he suffered with like mental health related stuff as well and you know just seeing him go lose jobs because of his illness and still get up and fight every day and still want to provide and still manage to do something um is just a testament to what i know that despite anything that goes wrong in my life and as a man you can easily if something if the smallest thing goes wrong i think sometimes as a man that can be the end to anything particularly if it's a threat to your finances you know which you see as almost the responsibility to provide and all of this stuff and it's made me see that i need to be just as strong if not stronger than how my dad was because um, he's given me that sort of sense in my head that you know what no matter how bad things get you can always still still keep going um and i think for me coming up over the next year Obviously, baby's not here yet, but it is going to be, I think I'm going to hold this child and be like, oh, this is the baby, you know, like, because right now it's like this imaginary hypothetical person that I've seen a very terrible photo of, you know, because those, I don't even know if that's my baby. That could be any baby, man. That could be one video from one time they keep showing everyone, you know, like, <laughs> but and I know, I and I felt the baby kick for the first time the other day and I was like, rah. There's actually that's actually a that, that's yeah, a thing. There's a live thing inside there. Yeah. No, that's a, it's, it's, no, it's it's so true. So you got mums. So obviously, when when Kingsley arrived, I I felt, and it's going to sound weird to say, but that was the, that was day one of for me, practically speaking, that was day one of fatherhood. But she'd been she'd been a mum for nine months. And, mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's the sense. So the sense of nurture that she she had. She's been well versed in that up to that point. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had really a part to play. My job was supporting her. Mm -hmm. it, wasn't it wasn't supporting the baby directly, mm -hmm. making sure her role is as, 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 is as comfortable and as smooth sailing. And that was my job. My job wasn't raising the child at that point. So day one of fatherhood was 21st of May. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's nice. No, I'm just thinking back to it. The whole the thing is, and I've just, obviously when we, we, we plan to have another one at some point, not, any, not, not soon, but some point, I think having, hopefully, fingers crossed, a baby not in lockdown will be a very, very interesting experience. Because all I know, oh, yeah. all I know of of parenting and fatherhood right now is a very, yeah, I don't want to use the word isolated, but it's just not much interactions with his family that much, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the experience itself isn't what I ever thought it would be like. So it'll be very interesting if and when we have another child, if it's we should hopefully post COVID and all this kind of nonsense, whatever post COVID mm -hmm. means having it mm. in that situation will be a very interesting experience. Mm -hmm. I had a question. So, you know, you've spoken quite a lot about responsibility and, and fatherhood being a job, right? And, and the roles that that entails. 
and part of that of course is protecting your child right but how much like emphasis do you put on you know protection as far as like how as in what they're exposed to so you know and and of course like this is something that will will develop more over time um as you know your baby becomes more cognizant of what is going around i guess um but like think about media and 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 like the messaging that comes through um yeah i think just generally like social media tv that kind of thing um how much do you think you can do to like really protect your your child from kind of negative and and um you know sometimes even kind of like self-destructive to to esteem um those types of messaging and i guess like do, do you feel like i mean how much can you actually do to to evolve if they have to interact with the world in some form like, but how much can you shape the environment that they're in as they get older and is that something that maybe makes you anxious or that how do you kind of feel about that whole thing yeah that's deep so i think working with kids this whole time since i left uni has made me see how and it's dangerous it's just how so i hate social media as based on in my role as a teacher social media is the bane of my life every single issue that i come across with kids could always be tied back to something related to technology something related to social media something related to phones and yeah no, i am apprehensive um but at the same time i think what i my plan is as in the same way i do when i'm teaching i try to be as honest and transparent about everything so if we make a decision so can you can i make a decision i don't know let's go for a generic no phone no he won't own a phone until he's i don't know 11 years old for example even if all his friends have got phones and technology and everything else it's not going to be a situation where it's i thought you're you're doing it because i said so it's going to be a situation where it's a very very transparent frank and hopefully by the time he's what 10 9 8 years old he should be able to understand i hope he understands um, I'm just going to be open and transparent about the rationale. And that's something that I always want to be able to, if I make a decision, the same way in my practice now, if I make a decision, I want to explain why I'm doing it, not because I said so. I don't agree with it because I said so, anything. Um, so I think for me, any kind of protective, any kind of protective thing I put in place for his benefit will be explained. And if he has questions, I'll, I'll welcome them. Please ask, please grow, please probe, please inquire as to why oh it's not fair okay explain to me why it's not fair what are you missing out on and then i'll explain why when you balance what you're missing out on at the moment with what you could be exposed to mm. hopefully you'll see where i'm coming from so i'm hoping that's and that approach has worked mostly with the kind of approach i have in teaching so i think i'm very very strongly influenced by um mm. my job and how i approach it so i think yeah so i'm i'm apprehensive there's a lot on it's the the, the ease of access to damaging content um, is is a worry, and it worries me now. And these kids are and the kids I teach aren't even my own, and it worries me what they're being exposed to. Because every day I find out about new things, new new chat rooms, new this, new that, a new way of people now sending and receiving media that's inappropriate for their age. And it's just it's, it worried me now, and it worries, it's going to worry me even more. It's my own child. Mm. But yeah, for me, honesty, transparency, always trying to explain a rationale. And having a conversation rather than just being a being a dictatorship is really, really important for me. And that's how I want to be involved in raising him. So I think that's that's what I'll be doing. That's amazing, man. And and with that, even a couple of extra questions popped up. Um I remember growing up, and it's probably the case for like most kids, your your parents are kind of like superhuman. Do you know what I mean? Like your dad's superman. <laughs> you feel like he's the strongest person in the world, he's the fastest person in the world etc etc um but then there comes a time when you're a teenager usually you know in your teenage years where you know that that image begins to 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 crack a little bit and you see their their flaws um have you thought about that before because i I know some people and i've heard people say like i don't want my children to think like i'm perfect and like i want them to know like for instance if he asked me a question or she asked me a question i can be like you know what, I actually don't know, but what do you think, what do you feel about it, et cetera, et cetera. So like, um, how do you feel about like, because at the same time, when it comes to, you want them to feel secure, you want them to feel like, I can, re- you know, I can rely on this person there. Do you know what I mean? Like just have that security, I guess. 
but you also you also excuse me patrick keeps talking about how i say also um <laughs> but um you 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 don't want to give the impression that you are perfect right so what, what's your kind of take on that um for me and i think i, I can raise this quite a lot of time because not to blow my own trumpet and the same for other you guys here probably that i was always just good at stuff um no nah, i went to school with khalil khalil was actually good at everything when he says stuff like this guy was the best at basically everything and i still don't know <laughs> i don't know how you how how do you live man how what's it like just being good at everything like this man it's well that's the thing but when you that was like i'm like i'm gonna say fatherhood for example is a challenge because you can't you don't you start being not good you're not you're not good to start with you have no idea what's going you have no idea why they're crying you have no idea how to respond you have no idea this no idea that and it's a it's a steepest learning curve and for someone like me who has often found learning curves to not be that steep um it is it's been a massive test so i think for what you're saying quickly um i want a lot of people that my friends and people i work with see me as yeah jack of all trades good everything rare to say but i've got I'm, like I said before, I'm, when I grew up, I was emotion. I could be emotionally vacuous, for example. Um, I find it very difficult to, I found it, I'm getting better, but I found it very difficult to empathize with people. Mm. Uh, I find myself being very pragmatic and I don't think, I don't think very emotionally. And again, so I'm learning how to improve these. But these, I think I want to have candid conversations with Kings as he grows up because he'll see I can I am good at different things and I'm and I've got different talents everything else but he needs to realize that I hope and I hope this is the case he gets his emotional he gets his emotional intelligence from his mum <laughs> I hope that's the case and um, I'm more than willing to just expose my own flaws and say it's fine to be and as, as well like just being vulnerable being vulnerable as an adult male mm. I often shied away from that when I was younger and that kind of stuff I didn't want to be seen as vulnerable or being in touch with my emotions and that kind of stuff. And I don't want that for him. Mm. Because it, didn't, it didn't ruin me in any, in any case, but also it meant that I found it difficult to, um, to navigate certain situations without people thinking that I didn't care. Um, mm. Because my reactions weren't often emotional. My reactions were pragmatic. Someone's mm. trying to confide in me. I'm trying to think about solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being there. Mm-hmm. And that, that mm-hmm. I'm learning Kanique's trying to actually try to teach me and all this kind of stuff because genuinely that is something that I I couldn't do for a very very long time. I was always Mr. Solution. We can solve it. We can solve it. Sometimes, and I'm, when she hears this back, she's gonna know. Sometimes she's like, I don't want you to solve it. I just want you to be there. And, yeah. and hearing those words over the years, over the couple of years we've been together, etc., has really really had an effect on me. And so those conversations, Craig, is what I want to have with him as he grows up. Mm being open about my own flawed characteristics, how I'm still learning to be mm-hmm. a Yeah, oh. I, think, I think that's so important, man. Um, because, yeah, sometimes, I know some, for some people, that's like a real, real pivotal moment in, in their lives and it can affect them quite quite negatively when they, they see that image shatter and it's like, oh, wow, okay, um, you're not yeah. this person I thought you were. Mm. I, I was just going to ask, I wonder why it is that particularly with our parents' generation, I guess with the generation before, there is this kind of insistence on um, having parents maintain this kind of like image of, I guess, perfection or always being being right. Or like, do any of you know or have any ideas as to why that is? And do you think that's like something that, that changes generationally? Like, do you think people will do that in our generation? Or do you think that's just something that like, we will like sort of have progress on that we will move on from i know that child developmental psychology and stuff like that has played a part into the some of the early years education and some of the way that people are taught to parent so mm-hmm. i guess like understandings of different parenting styles of attachment etc cetera, etc cetera. all of that is recent you know it's like in the last 30 40 years that that's been developed and developed. Mm. and i think that plays into people's growing understanding of how to raise a child particularly when we're talking about male emotional literacy like that is that's a current topic that's not mm. no one was talking about that in the 50s or 60s mm, mm, mm. it's crazy to think that like humans have been around for what like twenty thousand years or whatever it is and like it's only now in the last 
50 years that we're actually like yeah maybe we should think about how we parent maybe we should yeah. think about how how, <laughs> how men process their emotions like like i don't know it's, that's just mad to me or like maybe somewhere along the line like we just had like a kind of moment where we we just lost all that knowledge and just started again or i yeah. don't know man but it's, it's, just mad to, it's mad to think that like after all these thousands and thousands of years that we've been on the planet it's only now like oh actually let's stop and think about how we raise our kids like, yeah, it's not it's not a linear thing i think we we, yeah. we tend to have this idea that we are the the at the you know the peak of progression yeah now but there's, mm. there's like you said that there's definitely going there's definitely must have been times where you know we've been through ups and downs and in, in the way we um engage with different different activities or how we see the world and um not necessarily the fact that the case that we are the, the best at that and previously might have been better would have been different and even within mm. this this time like there's different societies and how they raise children completely different how they um define themselves as um how men are defined and masculinity is defined it's different how they engage with their emotions completely different mm. I've but, got an, oh, no, so go just because um, Patrick raised another point, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was like whether this can, I think, yeah, whether this can change ger- generation, you right? Mm. Um, I think even within a generation, like uh, I've noticed with my dad, right? Um, yeah, he had this idea, like, listen, I know what's right for you, etc. Do this, do this, do this. Um, but as I've grown and we've both, be- well, I've become a man as well. Um, we have more of like a peer relationship now, and in many ways, like. Um, he asked me for advice on things sometimes. Mm. I ask him for advice on stuff. Um, he, you know, there's there's the clear idea that we're both like learning. We're both on our own journeys, and um, as much as you know, there's that um, respect and and having him having had more life experience, there's going to be things that he can pass on to me. But it's very much like we're on individual journeys, and we're all kind of in a lot of ways winging it and just trying to do the best that we that we yeah. can I, I, i'm conscious of your time khalil because i know you've obviously got a family to get back to but um there's just one question that i really wanted to ask you because the other day i was walking and where i live is nice there's a canal at the bottom of my road and i was walking along there right and it was the first time maybe i think i'm seeing things more because i'm going to be a dad myself but it was the first time that i'd consciously seen three guys pushing buggies together just walking down the canal i've never seen that before you i'm you, I'm so used to seeing mums hanging out together going for walks having a coffee pushing a buggy around a couple of crying children all of that stuff but i'd never seen just three man them just walking around with their buggies and it just got me thinking about you know whether you think it's important to you as a dad to spend time with your child but with other dads as well yeah no definitely I think it's unfortunate. Must say, unfortunate. I've got you. There's one of my other friends has got a baby due uh, mm. next next calendar year as well. Like proper close friend of mine as well. Actually, and another one. I think there's about, I think there's three people in one of my in my my kind of intimate circles essentially where we've got babies got that will be in the same school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't wait because Kanik's already got and then and then so I just can't wait for. When they're able to, well, when, when everyone's babies arrive, essentially, they were able to actually meet up. Um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be powerful. I think it'll be powerful, especially and when, especially when they're old enough to to not need to be breastfed, for example, and that you can actually, and there's no, um, they don't need to have their mother's milk, so they can just come out with the dads, and it'll just be like a daddy's, like a, a dad's day out. That the thought of that is 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 really positive and really exciting. Actually, it sounds. It'd be nice. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, genuinely, yeah, that's something that I'm. When I found out about my other friends having kids in the same school year and everything else, that was one of the first things I was like, "Yo, right, first of all, we've got we've got a squad, we've got a team, we've got we've got five a side team in the making, all that kind of stuff." <laughs> mad, you got play dates on lock, bro. That's mad, you know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I think it, and it's good that we've all. Obviously, I'm waiting for you, man, to to join the club. Patrick, for example, went for you, man, to join the club. Uh, no, no pressure, gents. But it is there's something really great about having people your own age with kids of the same age. Mm. And especially when I look at my 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 closest friends who I've known since since birth, essentially, 
and it's all because our parents just happen to have kids the same age. And, mm-hmm. and I always thought, oh, that's fortunate, that's lucky. And now the cycle's just, the cycle's just repeating itself. Where mm-hmm. my closest friends, well, not all of them, but a lot of my closest friends are having babies around the same time. Mm-hmm. And when I look around at my life, I'm like, right, we're recreating the same, the same really nice experience for our children as well, which is... Yeah, those, those family barbecues are going to be lit. You know them ones? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be nice, man. I can already see it Special, now. man. I can already see it. What's going to be like the, the soundtrack to our barbecues though? That's what I'm thinking. Cause like for hours, it was like, I don't know, like eighties, like music, like for my parents and like Bears Hammond and them man there. Like what's going to be our, what's going to be our go-to barbecue I'll track? Still, I'll still run Bears. Don't worry about that, man. Bears still get- <laughs> Sunday, slow up the Bears, man. It's Sunday. Yeah. Get me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about this. Um, like music when they grow up and they talk when we talk oh, oh we pl- start playing some old school tunes yeah old yeah old school tune is what Vibes Cartel Fever come on now that's it <laughs> 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 play, play the little one some garage or something man and be like listen yeah this is it man oh uh, D-double yeah. <laughs> a must that is a must that is an absolute must like, I still might. think I still think about that tweet that girl was like I don't like dating older dons tell me why he's got me in the car listening to D-double wow <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah man i don't I, yeah i'm just trying to think what kind of because it's funny my um my foster brother like i tried to gauge like what like the kids of today are like listening to and all that stuff and see like how that matches up with what i listen to but he listens to like a lot of old school stuff so i don't know man it's like yeah he's he's listening to like get rich or die trying and them things there hmm. i'm just like well, okay okay um but yeah i don't know like i i, I don't know how our music is gonna like how it's gonna translate to the to the younger generations. Will be interesting to see like what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. Um, well, just by way of bringing it sort of to a close, man, because I know you have got to get back. Um, if you had to give maybe like not a not like a you know bit of advice to other dads, but a bit of advice to yourself when you were younger as to what being a father would be like for you. What would you tell yourself? Wow. What, younger than what, teenage age? Yeah. What would you tell a teenage Khalil? All those, what I tell them, and I, I think about this every now and again, do you know when you're, all those phrases that your mum used to, my mum used to use, my dad used to use, usually around chores or stuff, my mum used to always say, um, don't, don't uh, do it because, just do it because it needs to be done, for example, or um, don't do it because you just want to, don't, ah, let me just phrase it properly, what did she say? This, this, this is, she said, just do it because it needs to be done. And she always use it around, I don't know, dishes or chores or um, anything around the house. Um, but that sense of either it's maintaining a household, you have to just look at things. You know, no one wants to do dishes or no one wants to do the bins or no one wants to do everything else, but you know it needs to be done, so it's just going with it. Um, and I always used to back, back at the time when I was younger, be like, ah, oh, it's long, ah, oh, it's long. My brother used to just get on with it and go about his business. And I'll be, there still, I'll be still there arguing, being like, why me, why me, why me? These times, my brother's done it, he's gone upstairs, and he's having his kind of free time on his games, whatever. And I'm still there trying to argue back and forth about why I shouldn't have to do the bins today, and why I couldn't just do it tomorrow instead. And she's like, just do it, because it needs to be done. You need to contribute to the house, and, and we know it needs to be done. So I think, listen, all the things they tell me, I was fortunate, I had both parents, of course, but all the things they tell me, and the, and the, especially when we're having disagreements, they're usually right. And they're usually doing it for your own benefit. Um, and you'll realize later on down the line that all the, all the lessons they were trying to teach you is for a reason. Because now the way I'm carrying myself around the house and carrying myself in terms of responsibilities and raising a child, I'm still doing the same. The same phrases are, are revolving around in my head that I heard when I was growing up that I never really listened to at the time. I was just argued back against. Um, so I'd say, yeah, to myself, I'd say, it's all for your benefit. You'll thank them later. I think that's what I say. I say you'll thank them. Keep your mouth shut. You'll thank them later. Is what mm-hmm. I'd say to myself. It's not everyday argue, Khalil. Come on now. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Khalil, I just want to say thank you once again for coming on, man. This was a real wholesome conversation. This has been a wholesome morning, you know. Like this, just so much rattling around in my head. Um, for any of our listeners that want to find you, so that they can stop personally messaging me to say can you find Khalil for me um what where can people find you or can they still not for the first for the first time I'm, a, I'm actually able to say you can find me on twitter 
because my previous Twitter account, I would not want anyone to found me on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one still. Yeah, 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 I actually remember that very well. Yeah, he was yeah, a yeah, madman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the funniest is why Khalil you know got banned on that account. Was it for anything other than, than trying to record, like trying to live stream football? All I get, I got, my Twitter account got suspended because I, I was recording live sports events. <laughs> And we're just posting, we're just putting some funny stuff. Comments were funny. And I was just making people, oh, well, I don't think I was making people laugh. I don't know. And they banned me and suspended my account. Um, but now I've got a more professional account where I need to be very conscious of what I tweet and what I like. So, yeah. So if you do want to have a conversation, I'm trying to get in, I'm trying to follow and interact with more people, obviously teachers, educators. I'm trying to connect with um, people that are just on the same same wavelength as, as myself, especially Arsenal fans, trying to connect with you as well, but mainly educators, leaders, people in that field. Um, on Twitter, it's at Khalil, so K-A-L-I-L underscore R91. Um, so yeah, if you want to connect with me, follow me, be much appreciated. Thank you. Help him get to 22 followers, man. I'm nearly at three figures. Nearly, oh, wow. Nearly, I'm nearly there, man. Fair enough. Well, I just want to say once again, thank you, Khalil, for coming on. Uh, if you liked that episode, as ever, get in touch. Let us know uh, on the Twitter, on the socials at OTP Podcast UK. Send us an email at OTP Podcast UK at gmail.com. But I want to say thank you to our wonderful guest once again, Khalil, for what a powerful conversation that was. Thinking about fatherhood, the role of being a dad and moving forward. Well, what, what to expect with all of us, I think, in our lives is at some point intentionally trying to be fathers. So. Also, big up Lewis Hamilton, who's just won his F1 um, the World Championship for the seventh wow. time. Now he's on par with Michael. Yeah, he just won most race wins, most poles, most podiums. And big up his dad as well, because we all know how, at least at the start of his career, his dad was such an important part. So look at that man's basically now. He's the GOAT of F1 now. Mm-hmm. Big up his dad. Mm-hmm. Big up his dad. Mm-hmm. Okay, man. Well, yeah, um, catch you later, everyone. Thank you for listening.